In this episode, we discuss intuitive eating. We talk about the 10 principles, talk about the challenges of it, and also discuss what it's like to try and do intuitive eating in this sort of diet-obsessed culture. Hi, I'm Heather Wood, and I'm an intuition and ego expert. And I'm Jamie Hayhurst, and I'm an energy healer. We're both passionate about smashing the patriarchy, integrity in the spiritual world, and social justice. This is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, let's talk about intuitive eating today. What do you think? I think this is going to be an interesting one. I think so, too. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of spicy thoughts about it. Yeah. I would like to start before we get into it by just giving out National Eating Disorder Association phone number. It's a helpline. Mm-hmm. I realize this can be triggering for people, this topic. Mm. And so I just wanted to have this. So the NEDA helpline is 800-931-2237. And I'm sure they have like a website. Absolutely. Right. So check that out for a resource if you need it. Intuitive eating is a wild ride, Jay. <laughs> It is, and, I, and that's why we did our um, diet culture episode. We planned that to be sort of the foundation of what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. like why women feel compelled to diet, mm-hmm. why we have icky relationships with food and our bodies. So if you haven't listened to that episode, maybe start there. Go listen. Right. Yeah, it's an important episode. So this is like, it's not a follow-up to that, but it's no. certainly... There's going to be some crossover and there's probably going to be some reference to things we talked about there. So keep that in mind when you're listening. Yeah. If we hadn't done two episodes, we would be constantly interjecting about like why we feel certain ways. You have to understand the problem that is diet culture to understand why intuitive eating exists in the first place. Right. And why we're not just doing it. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Like why we need to relearn. Yes. How to eat intuitively. Exactly. Right. Okay. So let me give you the definition of intuitive eating. Right. This is the definition that the National Eating Disorder Association uses. Okay. So it is about trusting your body to make food choices that feel good for you without judging yourself or the influence of diet culture. Okay. Sounds sense. simple enough. It's not. It's so effing hard. I almost, right. I almost said the F word, but I, I pulled it back. Well, I mean, that's why there are books written about it and websites and coaches now about intuitive eating because it's unfortunately not intuitive anymore. No. So. Just the idea that you have to have something called intuitive eating, like that should just be called eating. Eating. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's not where we are as a culture. Right. I would like to say right away that I love the concept of intuitive eating. Uh-huh. I have been learning and trying it and uh-huh. studying it for a little while. But I will also say that I think it's really difficult. I agree. I've read up on it just sort of very minimally. And it's great in theory, but I think it can be really hard to practice. Really hard. And, so, and triggering, potentially. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get into why. Um, I'll share some personal experiences with it, mm-hmm. and we'll go from there. But I do want to say who created it, because yep. I think that's important. So it's two women who are dietitians. So it wasn't a white man. It was not a white this man. the first time. No. Okay. Yay. <laughs> There's no father of this, Jamie. Exactly. Father of intuitive eating. <laughs> so the two women are Evelyn Triboli mm-hmm. and Elise Resch. 
Okay. They wrote a book about this in 1995. Wow. I did not realize that intuitive eating was that old. Yeah, well, we needed it then. We did. And I did. I wish I knew. Same. Yeah. So really, that surprised me. I thought this was going to be like a fairly newer in the last maybe 10 years thing. Right. Well, we spoke in the diet culture um, episode about how rough the 90s were. We did. So so it makes sense that someone was pioneering this. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So there are 10 principles to intuitive eating that Mm -hmm. I want to go over with you, but I wanted to discuss a few things before we get into that. Okay. First... We sort of touched on this, but the fact that diet culture is so strong Mm -hmm. that it's considered abnormal to not be dieting or trying to lose weight is something that daily bothers me. Agreed. So if you're talking to, I'm going to say a woman, I think this is more prevalent with women, but I, mm. I don't want to exclude men and I don't want to exclude any any gender, gender identification in this. Yeah, no, I think it could go across the board for sure. Okay. So when I'm talking to other women, mm-hmm. I never, when it comes to food, there's never a time where someone's not telling me how they're trying to lose weight. I am mm. the weirdo right. when I don't include myself in that. Same. Yeah. And when you're someone who's trying to, like, recover from living that way, right? it is, like, a mind fuck. It is. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's all around you. It's like, remember in the diet culture episode <laughs> when we said it's the water we swim in? It's exactly that. This is what it feels right. like. And I, I, when we, you know, going back to gender, I think that this is sort of where, this is a sort of a, I'm digressing, but I think it's important to note that when we talk about the patriarchy and how it affects men and all genders and everyone, not just women, that I think men have a lot of issues with how they feel in their bodies. Yep. But there's also like the other layer that they don't feel like they can talk about it. That's a good Like point. it's just like something women talk about or like that's just a concern for women. Right. So there, there's probably a lot of men who feel like they want to lose weight. But can't talk about it. But they wouldn't say that. Right. Whereas with women, it's almost like, this might not be the right word, but it's like uncool if you're not trying to lose weight. Yeah. And with men, it's like uncool if you are. Mm, right, exactly. It's a very strange issue. Yeah, it is. I agree. It's very layered. Very layered. Yeah. Very layered. So I just want, listener, right? answer this to yourself in your car or in your house, in your headphones, whatever you're doing right now. Right. Are you currently trying to lose weight? Interesting. Even if the answer is no, the second question is, but do you want to? Right. Right. If given the choice, if I said right. I can make that really easy for you, if you buy my 10-step program, <laughs> would you be interested? Yes. So I would like to say that my answer, my honest answer is yes, I would. Yes, I would like to lose weight. Yeah. My my answer is no, I'm not trying to lose weight, but yes, yes I, I would. Yes, I would like to. Because, Same. Right. Because I know, I know that for me to be like actively trying to lose weight, I'm instantaneously not being healthy oh yeah just with the like the programming i have exactly exactly we talked about that before too like how do you lose weight healthily right nobody knows no so i really truly think that weight loss is like a secondary thing to maybe improving some other part of your health i agree so maybe you want to feel um 
maybe you want your blood pressure to be lower or maybe you want to feel like you know some some number in your blood test you want to change or you want to feel like it's easier for you to go for a walk or for maybe you want to be able to go for a run like mm. do you know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. I think weight loss should follow a different health goal well I th- and I think it's one of the things that we're sort of taught in reverse in this country right that like if you're struggling with something lose weight right and the that will make it easier everything. right it's yeah. always like you need to lose weight right but it's actually, if you actually probably fix the thing that's off in your system, mm-hmm. like the blood pressure, like mm-hmm. the thyroid, mm-hmm. like the whatever hormones, is happening, whatever, hormones, yeah. whatever's in your system, mm-hmm. when you adjust that, mm-hmm. then it's going to be easier for your body to lose weight or to stop holding weight or whatever it's doing. If that's what it needs. If that's what it needs. Yes. But we're, but we're told that the first step should be the weight loss when it's actually that's usually not how it actually goes. Okay, so that makes me think of another question for the listeners what? that I'm going to imaginarily hear the answer to as being yes. Okay. Have you ever been told by a doctor? Yes, 100,000 times. <laughs> I'll answer for them. Have you ever been told by a doctor when you had a you went in for an issue that the if you lost weight it would solve the issue? Yes, the answer is yes. I don't know any woman who's not been told that. And forgive me for excluding men in that. I just don't no. talk to men about that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know that I've heard a man tell me that anecdotally, but I'm sure it definitely happens. I'm sure it does. Absolutely. I'm sure it does. So isn't that interesting? Because your weight is not like the primary issue. The weight your weight is like a reaction to what your body either needs or has going on, mm-hmm. right? Like so isn't that interesting that the first thing you're told is like, I'm not even going to help you out. I'm not going to do any tests. Go lose weight first. I mean, don't even get down the rabbit hole of TikTok if you're on, if you slide down that, (laughs) that side of it, that's like people telling their horror stories of like being told they're fine. They're fine. They just have to lose weight. And Mm -hmm. they really have like a brain tumor or like, like they have something horrifically wrong with them. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. There's just such an insensitivity to in doctors' offices. Most, I'm sure this isn't mm-hmm. true across the board about weight. Right. I mean, I told you a story once where I went to a new doctor, and they weighed me, and yeah. the the scale said my weight out loud into the room. Oh yeah. Jeez. No, thank you. <laughs> and just just like as part of something that works best for me usually when somebody weighs me, I ask them not to tell me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like to know that number because I will obsess about it. Right. So in previous doctor's things, I would just say when they would get to that point, most nurses would ask, do you want to know? And so I just had this assumption that would happen. And it didn't. No. And I heard the number and I was like, oh my God, that's like unsafe for me. And you didn't even Right. Not that not the number was unsafe, that you hearing that was hearing unsafe. Hearing the number is unsafe. unsafe. Right. right. Yes. Yes. But I think a lot of doctors' offices are trying to implement that where they are respectful of that, but mm-hmm. I think some definitely don't. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. You can write it in my chart. Agreed. You can let me yeah. know if you see a big spike or a big loss or right. something, but please do not tell me the number because I'm going to go home. I'm going to go buy a scale, which I don't allow in my house either. Correct. You know what I right. mean? So like it's right. It needs to be talked about more, I think. I agree. Okay. And if you if you also have a little trouble with that, you can request it, by the way. You can say yes when, before you go in to get weighed. Yep. I'd rather not know the number. Yep. It's not safe for me. Right. Let's say it. Smart. Do it. Yeah. Okay. The next point I have, I know is going to fire us both up. Okay. So take a breath. In our culture, Jay, 
We don't understand pleasure and satisfaction. No. So there's no way we can ever get a healthy relationship with food if we cannot have a healthy relationship with those two ideals. Correct. Pleasure (laughs) and satisfaction. Everybody thinks about sex. Sex, always. Why is it so sexualized? It's like pleasure and desire and satisfaction are all correlated to sex. And then people get squirmy about it. Yeah. I wish sex wasn't squirmy for people. Well, that's a great starting point. (laughs) That would be a great place to start. But then also that words can mean different things in different places. The fact that you experience pleasure and satisfaction like every day all the time and it has nothing to do with sex but your brain goes to sex first right shows how messed up this is right i mean we have hormones that are produced in our brains that specifically work on having you feel pleasure having you feel good right right but like we we can't even acknowledge that because it's like dirty sex stuff (laughs) Like it's, that's not actually it. I wish you guys could have seen the hand motion and the body motion she did when she said dirty sex stuff. I'm going to plant a camera for you guys so we can post some of these things. Um, yeah, it, it's really, I feel like it could be its own episode, so I don't want to stay here forever. Mm. But what I do want to say is that eating is a an experience yes. that involves pleasure and satisfaction in those two principles. Right. Yes. And sort of like knowing when to stop eating. Yeah. Knowing what to eat. You need to be able to understand how your body reacts and experiences pleasure and satisfaction. Right. If you're ignoring the whole concept, you're not going to know when to stop. Yeah. Frequently, outside of talking about food, I quote Hamilton and Mm. say like, I will never be satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to food... Also true. I don't necessarily feel full very often. Right. So like whatever that is in my my intuitive body that I've shut off to know when there's enough is a struggle for me with food, but it's a struggle for me everywhere. Exactly. Like, you know, when you're sitting on the couch and then you're supposed to go have plans and like you already took your bra off and you have to go back outside. Yeah. You have to go back into the world where there's people. Like there's people everywhere. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There are. And you have to like get up and you have to change to get away from that pleasure spot. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, what do you say to yourself? Do you shame yourself for being lazy? Like you were just enjoying it. Like, how do you switch? How do you go like, no, but there's pleasure and satisfaction there. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know how to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to shame ourselves or we have to panic ourselves. I mean, I think we don't use like healthy coping mechanisms to get there. Exactly. So you're not going to use them with food either. No. No. So when you really love a food, Mm -hmm. how do you handle that? Like, what do you do? Me? Yeah. In the moment? I mean, I do the Phil Rosenthal dance. (laughs) That's how my family knows I really like food. Has anyone watched somebody feed Phil on Netflix? (laughs) First of all, I that Matt likes that show. My husband I love that show. I love it. I can't with him. I can't. Phil I can't. is like I. I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> you didn't know I was dragging you down. I didn't this. know we were going. Yeah, yeah. Phil Rosenthal was like the writer or the producer or something on Everybody Loves Raymond. Right. He's like incredibly like funny, but also so sort of like like dorky and wonderful and yeah. warm and I want him to be like my like uncle oh my god you know what I mean 
But he travels the world on this Netflix series and he eats mm-hmm. food right. across the world. And when he when he tries a food, like in Singapore or yeah. wherever, he does this little dance where he's like, dancing. And I wish you all could see her. <laughs> His shoulders like do a yeah. little dance. Yeah. And that's how my family knows when I like something. I like am loving the moment. Maybe we should have a somebody feed Jamie show. We should. <laughs> somebody should feed Jamie. Somebody should. <laughs> I'll, I'll feed you after we're done. <laughs> so that's how you know when I'm hungry. I'm sure that doesn't track for everybody, but yeah. I mean, so that's when you know when I'm You're enjoying happy, it. Happy yeah. Day. Okay. So for me, um, I'm immediately fighting with myself about restricting it. Interesting. So I'm either going to store up a ton of it or I'm not going to allow it. Yeah, I do go into that scarcity mode. Yeah. Like, is there enough? Can I, like, what if I want some more tomorrow? Yeah. Or are there seconds? Right. Yeah. Like, there is currently a hoarded stash of two Trader Joe's products in my house. <laughs> One is the chips I like. Yep. And the other is the hash browns. I love the hash browns. There's so many. Because to me, it's like, these are my favorites. I need to know that I can have them. But then I know I have a ton. And so then my brain's like, well, how are you going to know when to stop? You should only like take the bowl this size and only fill that. Don't have any more. Oh, so you're just perpetually micromanaging yourself at like at every turn. Yeah. So that's taking all of the intuition out of it. Yeah. Because I is. clearly don't trust it. Or yourself. Right. I don't trust my own body to go. That's good. Right. I've had enough. And there's yeah. more. So no big deal. I also find a weird amount of pride in mm. not having it. No, I hate you know that. I, mean? I, I hate, hate that, that for you. I hate it. It's stupid. But I, I no, want I don't people like to it. know. I fight all of these things. I'm very aware of them. But right. like, I, I feel like people don't talk about these no, things. No, I agree. And I feel like if you heard it and you were like, oh, I do that. Like, it's okay. Yeah. See, the thing that I that I like shame myself for would be I wouldn't be proud about not eating something. I would go and eat and then be like at a party. And then you'd feel shame for eating. I'd be like, why do you have to be the first one to go eat? Or like, what? Like... <laughs> Somebody's got to someone because every other jerk in this room is having the same shameful thoughts. Yeah. And then you and I have all doing it. So I'll be the groundbreaker. Go eat the food. (laughs) I was just going to say you and I have this thing in our brains that tells us that we need to start everything. Yes. Oh, let me do this. Everyone's uncomfortable. Let me fix it. I'll take one for the team. (laughs) So we're always going to start the buffet line. We're always going to do that. But. Then, but then I'm it. like, oh, there's Jamie at the front of the buffet line again. Yeah. Like, and that's not how I actually think about myself. No. That's programming. Same. That's like every like 90s sitcom. Yes. Like just talking shit in my head. Yes. You know? Yes. That stupid voice. Yep. I'm with you on that. It's not mine. It's not mine either. I no. hate it. Go away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the idea of health at every size is really an important part of intuitive eating. So yes. as a culture, we don't get this. No, I think it's growing. It's starting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's so much resistance mm-hmm. to it. But mm-hmm. I am really proud of the people that are that are on the front lines of this and pushing this. This is such important work. Such important work. Yep. And there's facts to back it up. We talked a little bit about it in diet culture that like yep. sometimes people who weigh more are a lot healthier than yes. people who are very thin. Yes. I would like to confess that I believe it for everyone else except myself. Right. Well, I think that's sort of like the the last step. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the wellness journey or whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to call it. And like healing that type of stuff in your body is, Yeah. you get it. 
Yeah. But then you have to apply it to yourself. You have to give yourself that grace. Yeah. And I feel like that for any sort of like limiting belief or block or anything that you have, see our episode on limiting beliefs. Yeah. Well, you would also say that about like everyone should rest and take care of like <laughs> not hustle so hard. I've been called out. Yes. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you believe yes. that. I do. Just but it's, it's hard, hard to, to apply it correct. to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You sent me, it was either a meme or a TikTok. I can't remember. It was a TikTok. Okay. Of course, I should have just assumed it was a TikTok. <laughs> and it hurt both of our brains. Like, to still, to this day, it still makes me sigh heavily when I think about it. I think about it a lot. How do we not know? I don't know. It's so simple. Okay, so the basic gist of it was that if you if you restrict calories, so you have less calories, right? It just means that you're going to be hungry sooner. You're gonna be hungrier sooner. Sooner. You're no. It said you're gonna if you're restricting calories, like if you're eating a hundred calorie snack pack, right? Right. Again, from the nineties, <laughs> right? So I am laughing because I remember like really wanting my mom to buy those, like the snack wells. Yeah, hundred calories. Like, what did I know about calories? I didn't know. Anything, nothing. Anyway, (laughs) but if it's like, if you're restricting your calories, you're just going to need to eat more sooner. Yeah. And that's because I, I I know that that's not, it's not earth shattering. No, but but we don't think of it that way because you're told that you should just eat and then be full. Right. Right. You're not taught the science behind eating, which is that you're putting food basically into like a machine. The machine is processing it mm-hmm. and it's taking what it can out of it. So if you're only giving it a hundred calories, yeah. it only has a hundred calories to work with. Right. So then you need more because the machine has to operate. Mm-hmm. But we're told, oh no, you ate, so you're good. Right. Wait till the next time you eat. Yes. But Just you don't have anything to go on. Remember the whole thing where... I don't know when this was. This might have been an early 2000s or a 90s thing, but it came out that like if you ate celery, it was actually like reverse calories because oh, right. there's so few calories in it that when you, like the chewing burned them. Oh my God. I hate that anyone even said that out loud. Yeah. It was a thing. I so know. I everyone remember. was eating celery and it, and the thing is like, okay, well now your body's just going to need something else right away. Right. Cause it, <laughs> cause it just burned it. Right. And then people would do the whole thing where like, calories aren't created equally like if you had sugar it's going to do this in your body and it's kind of like right so why are we bothering to count them why aren't we learning what like oh if i had sugar i i know my body would also need protein pretty soon like why is there any shame or calorie counting anyways exactly that's weird but why is it so hard like why is a thought like that so mind-blowing it really blew our minds, not because we didn't fundamentally understand that, but because we don't think of eating that way. No, like I wrote to you, like, why is this so hard? Yeah. Like, why is this so shocking to me? Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, you eat less. You need more sooner. Right. And I, and I would know that for my children. Mm-hmm. Like, if when my kids were little and they were toddlers, I'd be right. like, oh, they only had X. Oh, so, such a good point. Jesus, I got to pack extra snacks or they're going to be monsters. Yeah, because right? you're, th- you're thinking about what they're doing. Right. Or they're going to be like expending a lot of calories. Right. So I make sure I bring them something. Right. Jesus. Wait, where where do we lose that? In the 90s. <laughs> the 90s are to blame for everything. 1994, approximately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is going to shock you. Mm-hmm. But I pulled some people this week. Oh, yes. That does not shock me. I know. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the question I asked them. Okay. 
How do you show yourself self-compassion? Oh, um, I, I feed myself. Oh, interesting. I do. I get like my favorite meal. Mm. I sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let myself take a break from work. So you're doing what everybody did. Yeah. Describing self-care. Yes. It's not self-compassion. What is it? I know. I know, Jamie. Is it the same thing? I, this is the question. Because a lot of what I was reading about intuitive eating was mm-hmm. how, as a culture, self-compassion doesn't actually exist. Okay. And what we think of as, as self-compassion is really just taking care of yourself in a way that you should just already be doing. Be doing, right. Like you're talking about like caring for your own needs. Yes. And to you, giving yourself compassion mm-hmm. is getting yourself food you like. Right, which is just hitting my basic Which is just something needs. you should be doing every day. Right, right. Right. So when it comes to compassion, so either people would answer the way you did. Yep. Or they would look at me and have, like I just spoke a different language. <laughs> Yeah. And the people, I mean, I asked people I knew and they were like, God damn it. Heather's asking one of right. those trick question. questions right. again. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't really have a great answer other than like self-compassion should sort of be like, like how you would show compassion to somebody else. Like if I was going through a hard day, mm-hmm. like you would show me compassion by like, Showing there or going above up, and beyond, going above and beyond, right. doing extra, giving yourself extra, right. giving me at right. Like, but when it comes to ourselves, we don't even know what that would look like. And it sounds like we're only giving ourselves the bare minimum. And we think that's going above and beyond, but it's really just like the bare minimum. And if that's going above and beyond, that means we're doing less than minimum daily generally right yeah yep that's a problem. And it also means that if we aren't feeling good about ourselves, we're probably restricting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I want to tell you the principles and then tell you some criticism and like a couple further points, but I think we should take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll come right back and get into the 10 principles of intuitive eating. I think number one is the hardest. Okay. Let's do it. We'll be right back after this short break. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, Heather, it's season four. We're here for another season, and we still have our favorite sponsor, Restoration Coffee. What coffee are you drinking these days, Jay? It goes back and forth between a Rachel and a Paige. I'm still drinking my Americanos. So if you want a fantastic cup of coffee to go with listening to the IGG or any other podcast that you might listen to, check out Restoration Coffee. You can go to their website. It's restoration-coffee.com. Check it out and tell them that the Intuitive Girl sent you. Yeah, can't go wrong. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki, so I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. Okay, Heather, again, a TikTok. I mean, this is what we (laughs) truly are obsessed with, things on TikTok, and then we discuss them. (laughs) So you sent this to me. My husband also sent this one to me. Mm -hmm. It's called the 100th Monkey Effect. So do you want to explain it? Yeah. So there are these monkeys. These Japanese snow monkeys. Okay, perfect. And one, they were eating sweet potatoes, right? right? And so one of the monkeys learned to rinse the sweet potato in seawater. To get the sand off of get it. Get the sand off. And then it tasted better because it was like salty, I would imagine. And it wasn't gritting with sand no. all over their mouths. Right. A smooth, salty potato. Right. I'm in. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> so... It then taught it's like mother and brother brother or something. something right? Obviously, this is like an observable group of monkeys, right? Yes. Like, and you can also Google this yes. if you want like scientists to tell you about it instead right. of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then it started spreading, right? The monkeys were teaching each other to do this or like observing other monkeys doing it and right. trying it on their own. Right. And so what happened is that once the hundredth monkey Learned it. Learned it. And now Jamie and I have had some discussion. Like, was it really like 101 and they thought it sounded better? (laughs) It's like a catchier phrase. Exactly. I don't know. Scientists started observing monkeys from like far away places. Like on islands that were not connected to this land. No access. Didn't see another monkey or anybody do this. Weren't shown a video. Right. Suddenly started doing it. They started washing their own sweet potatoes. Now, scientists' minds were blown. Correct. Intuitive people were like, hey, that's called collective consciousness. Exactly. (laughs) We've been talking about that for a long time. Right. Like my husband sent it to me and I was like, he obviously thought it was very cool. Right. So so then I had to bust his chops and be like, so you're telling me you believe in intuition and collective consciousness now? (laughs) He was like, Jamie, I'm just sending you a TikTok. (laughs) I think he does believe in it, but he doesn't actively talk about it like we do. Right. But But this is like what I'm always saying is that I love where science and intuition overlap. Me too. This is something that people have known forever. And by overlap, you mean science finally catches up to intuition. Yeah. 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 Right. Or like, yeah, exactly. Right. But this is a good example of where like people will hear something and believe it and love it and think it's really cool because it's presented as science. Right. Right. Because we studied it. It's studied. It's monitored. It's presented by scientists. But like it agreed. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. But like mind blowing. No. I love that we have that to point out to people when we're explaining collective consciousness. Can you imagine if we went back in time? Because you know that we've discussed how that's not possible. But whatever. Right. Let's say we did. Right. See our time travel episodes. Yes. <laughs> and we told one of our pagan ancestors that we'd like they had just figured this out. They would kick us. Yeah, they they all like, did it. Duh. Right. That's what we're always talking about is how like all of these pagan traditions across the globe yeah. they're all so similar. Yeah. Because of the hundredth monkey effect. Because we're all in a collective consciousness. Exactly. I'm pretty sure it was penicillin, but there was some big breakthrough medicine that was 
invented at the mm. same time in like two or three different places in the world. That's in that big magic book, right? Yes. By Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. Yeah. She talks about how like ideas come to the collective consciousness. Yeah. And then some people or more than one people. More than one people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah. they, they quote unquote discover it, but they're yeah. really like downloading. Exactly. These ideas. Exactly. I think it's kind of the same thing. I agree. Yeah. So I, I love this. Mm-hmm. If somebody's like collective consciousness isn't a real thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're feeling discouraged in getting like people in the world to up level. Yeah. Just know like you learning it and telling just a few people does have an effect. That's a very, very good point. It makes me feel better late at night when I feel frustrated. Yeah. With the entire globe. Yeah. With yeah. the human race. Same. We're pretty terrible. Currently. Yes. This makes me feel a little better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the 10 principles of intuitive eating. Okay. All right, we're going to have some things to discuss here. I bet. I think number one is the hardest one. Okay. And that is to reject diet mentality. That's very hard. It's way easier said than done. It wouldn't be as hard if it wasn't currently being shoved down your throat. Perpetually. Right. Right. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like if someone says, hey... That color that you're wearing, Jamie, is used to be called blue. We're now going to say that's yellow. Right. And exactly. now all around you, you have to be like correcting. That's not blue. It's yellow. Right. You're on board with it being yellow. Sure. I'm fine with it being but yellow. But you just ha- you have to assimilate to that and, and get used to it. But there's like half the population is like, nope, we're still calling it blue. Yeah. So it's just like right. really, really challenging. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a fight with my own diet culture conditioning like almost every hour of every day. How so? Like a thought will come up in Mm -hmm. my head and I'll be like, that is not what I believe. That's diet culture. Agreed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'll eat lunch Mm -hmm. and then I'll be like, I really should have just had a salad. And I'm like, shut up. Like, Shut up is right. I don't even believe it, right. but I still have to hear the stupid track playing. Right. And then every once in a while, something rattles me, like we, like the TikTok you sent me about right. calories. Yeah. Why don't I think of it that simply? Why do I have to fight through all this muck? Right. But it's worth doing. Agreed. It's worth fighting for, not just for yourself, but for like our kids. Agreed. I don't want them to do it. No. No. No, no thank no. you. Number two, also hard. Mm. Honor your hunger. This I've been getting better at, better at. Yeah? Yeah, I really have been. Okay. How are you getting better at it? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think it's just sort of unwriting or unlearning. Yeah. Like all the funky stuff. Yeah. And being like, my body's telling me it's hungry. Right. Like it's it's very simple, but it's like, I don't I just don't want that much resistance in my life. I love that. Yes. There's a lot of resistance in my life, in many people's lives, in everyone's life, I'm sure. (laughs) But like that, like something as basic as that, Mm. like my brain's not going to tell me it's hungry if it's not. I love that. I love, I love thinking of it as resistance. Yeah. It's like this static that you're fighting with all the time. Yeah. I love that. And you know, this is a weird sort of side story, but I remember when I had babies feeling like, Oh, someone told me only feed your baby every four hours or whatever it oh, was, yeah. right? Right. 
and being like, well, I'm only supposed to feed them that and be like, why? My kid knows when it's hungry. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it feels like it, it starts even back then. Yes. Yeah. You know? Soon as you're born. Soon as you're born. It's like a regimented schedule. Yeah. That happened to me too. I had Riley, who Mm -hmm. was almost 10 pounds. He's a big big boy. And they gave me one of those little bottles in the hospital. Yeah. And so I gave it to him and the nurse left and I fed him the whole thing and burped him. It was my second baby. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. She came back in and was like, you gave him that whole thing? No, I had breastfed my first, so like I didn't have this experience, but I was like, well, yeah. She was like, you can't give him the whole thing. And I thought, first of all, why'd you give me the whole thing then? And and why can't I give him the whole thing? Yeah. See, that's yucky. Like if if I was breastfeeding, I would just do it till he stopped. Right. So what's the difference? And you wouldn't be able to measure that. Yeah. And I I swear it was because he was such a big, chunky baby. If he was like a little preemie, they probably would have been like, oh, Oh, they've been like fatting him up or whatever. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't either. I don't oh, like that no. journey. No. Luckily, my mother, Lynette Tewitt, yes. was there and was like, he'll eat what he wants. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. So I had that. But I, I took this quote from the book because I liked okay. it to read to you. So it's, keep your body biologically fed with adequate energy and carbohydrates. Otherwise, you can trigger a primal drive to overeat. Exactly. Why is that mind-blowing? I don't... It shouldn't be. It makes so much sense. I feel like I just want to, like, keep reading that over and over again. Right. So, like, give myself an adequate amount of energy and carbohydrates so that I don't have that, like, need to, like, oh, my God, I've gone so long without eating. Right. Well, because, again, we've forgotten that our body's like a machine and that it has to... It has to perform activities. It needs... Fuel, right? right? Like, right, in the form of calories or carbs or protein, it needs yeah. all of that. Exactly. My body likes to have two breakfasts. Mm. It like I eat early. Yep. And it likes a second one. Yeah. And then it likes an early lunch. Right. And then it can it can go a while. Right. The amount of times I shame myself for second breakfast is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Just that's what my body wants. That's when right. my body is asking for energy. But if you go to if you work with a trainer or someone mm-hmm. like if you're working out or you're you're like trying to do like bodybuilding or something like that, yeah, you're supposed to eat every two hours. I know. I think that everyone's actually supposed of to course eat every you are. Two hours. Everyone is. Yeah. That's why it right. works. I mean, right. that's obviously an extreme version. Like bodybuilding is an extreme version of something, right? But like your body mm-hmm. needs to eat. Exactly. And you, you know, you ask yourself all these questions if you're like, oh, I ate two hours ago and I'm hungry already. Mm-hmm. You ask like, what's wrong with me? But if you ate four hours ago and you're not hungry, you don't ask that. Yeah, you're not. Exactly. So right. you should just be looking for things that like aren't your normal pattern. Or what's, or, or it should just be, am I hungry? Right. With no follow-up questions. Right. Not why. Right. Not, not what did wrong, I eat for What's lunch? wrong with you? Nothing like no judgment follow up questions. Just am I hungry? Yeah. Yes or no. I feel like a lot of us do performative eating, Mm. but we're performing for no one. Correct. Like look at where I ate last. And like, who does that matter to? It's just your own body. And and especially if you're a person with a uterus, (sighs) and you're cycling. Throughout like a twenty eight day cycle, Mm -hmm. there are some days where you're going to need to eat a lot more. Your body physically needs a lot more food. And there are going to be other times when your body needs less. 
as a woman who formerly had a uterus, correct. I still, even though I don't bleed, cycle through and notice the same. Right. My body's still asking for more calories. It's right. still doing stuff. Exactly. It's so, still producing hormones. It's yeah. still yeah. right. Exactly. I remember when I was a kid feeling like a weirdo because whenever I had like a cold or any kind of illness, my body would demand a lot of calories. Same. And it see. I remember everyone thinking it was weird. Yeah, because they think you should lose your appetite. Yeah, but my my body would be like, get, we we got a lot of Work, fighting, right? So give us the calories. Exactly. And I remember. I remember even back then, as like a little kid, being right. like, "Why am I such a weirdo?" Exactly. It's not weird. It's just how your body works. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. Exactly. I also want to say I know a lot of people suffer from not being hungry. Like yes, I, we're talking right. about being hungry a lot. Right. That's also this. It's the same issue, just on the other side. Right. And that's not a great way to exist either. No. Like forcing your body to eat. To it's eat. not hungry. It's not giving you hunger cues. Right. Also terrible. Yeah. All right. Number three is make peace with food. This is really hard too, I think. It is. I think this is where I've concentrated the most of my work. Mm-hmm. I think this is where it was like the hardest for me, where where I remember when I was in my highest state of disordered eating, mm-hmm. like food was literally my enemy mm-hmm. and my body was literally fucking up if it was hungry. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So like to be like, oh. Food is my friend. <laughs> Silly I mean, as that it's sounds. keeping you alive. I it need is your it. friend. It's like it's like the gas in the tank. It's the right. way that I get to do what I want. It's how I exist in the world. Right. So, and I love food. I yeah, really I truly do. So it's like it's it's this real interesting place. And I think a lot of people start their journey of like healing there. Yes. And I think it's a great place to start. And then I think after that, you. I think that's a layered thing. Again, I think that people also have to make peace with food in the fact that we've been taught that there are like empty calories or like empty carbs or like you know i follow a lot of i don't even know what you would call them they would not call themselves like diet culture influencers or but i don't know just people who are working on like body positivity yeah um they're probably like anti-diet culture they are they definitely are but a lot of them do intuitive eating yep they advocate that all food is good food like all right. food that you're putting in your body, your body doesn't know the difference. Like right. you're putting stuff in, it's using what it can and it's putting the rest out, mm-hmm. you know, but we've been exactly. taught like, you know, empty carbs, <laughs> empty calories. Or that like someone who eats a piece of cake is like an obese person right. versus someone who ate a salad. Or negative calories, celery <laughs> right. is better, like morally better. Yeah. Somehow. Or that like like eating a piece of cake isn't going to make you fat. No. But I believe that's true. I know you do. I mean, I don't I don't really, but like right. the conditioning yes. says that in my mind. Yes. So it's really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A part of the make peace with food element of intuitive eating that I think a lot of people struggle with, and I'm not saying it's incorrect. I'm mm-hmm. saying it's a struggle and it's a mental minefield mm-hmm. is that you, especially in the beginning, are supposed to give yourself full free range to eat whatever you want. It's hard. And as much of it as you want until right. you really actually want to stop. Okay. And so in theory, that sounds great. Right. Agreed. But if you're somebody who suffers with some sort of disordered eating where you are a restrictor or a binger, right, you are setting yourself up for a real, almost like traumatizing time. Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm just saying that is really hard. And a lot of people, when they first begin doing intuitive eating for this reason, gain weight. Mm-hmm. 
because they're allowing themselves. And the whole theory is that once you're not restricting anymore and nothing's off limits, you won't want to like binge on a whole cake. I think I think that's accurate. In it's most definitely cases, it's right. it's definitely accurate. That yeah. is the way through. Right. But it's hard. Unfortunately, unless you are privileged enough to hire like a coach or something like that to like walk you through that, mm. doing that by yourself and right. trying to get through that is I think almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard to sit in that and listen to the script running yeah. about like why'd you eat so much? Yeah. Now you feel bad because you had so much. Like, um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm being kinder about it and how most people probably think much meaner things to themselves about it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, there are, most people with disordered eating have a self worth issue tied to eating. Correct. So you're literally dealing with if you're worthy of even being alive sometimes. Because right. food keeps you alive. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, something that I think is interesting is when you learn NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. the way that they teach you to break addiction is by having somebody do this exact thing. Okay. So, like, if you were trying to break somebody of a smoking habit, mm-hmm. you would have them sit in front of you and smoke pack after pack of cigarettes until they got sick. Oh, my God. And it's very effective. I bet. Okay, they will not want to smoke after that. And then there's more work that you do after and you reprogram that those make you sick, blah, blah, blah. So if you're applying this to food, it would make sense. Right. But in in just like picking up the book and doing it, my point is that you're not doing it with any supervision or any guidance. Gotcha. And that that can be tough because you need someone to say to like, hey, this is what's happening. Someone has to walk you through it. Yeah. Because your own thoughts are going to take over. You're not going to be mentally okay. And you're not going to, you're probably so like in the thick of it mm-hmm. that you're not going to be able to like pick out the lessons or the, like the, like where, like where you need to learn or make adjustments. You're going to enter survival. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're in the muck. Exactly. Right. So I find that to be the hardest part. Right. I do think it's correct. I'm just saying it is very difficult to actually do. Right. I gotcha. I would also say it's the reason a lot of people don't do or stick with intuitive eating because yes. they get here and they start to have a lot of trouble. I bet. Yeah. Okay. Um, Number four is challenge the food police. We've sort of touched on this one. They tell you to actually scream no at the thoughts in your head. Mm. You can't call yourself good for eating certain foods and bad for eating certain foods. You have to, again, scream like no. They actually encourage you in intuitive eating to say no out loud to yourself, which I do think is effective. Maybe not if you're like in a crowd. Right. You'd look a little crazy being like, no. Right. (laughs) I'll talk out loud to myself through something like that. Same. Yeah. We're not doing that. That's no, no. what I say to myself. Yeah. We are not doing that, Jamie. Exactly. Exactly. And they encourage you to call it the food police and to like, oh, the food police is here. Get out. Like right. kind of give it a character name, which I think is a really effective thing to do. Agreed. The food police is here. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to eat cake. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number five is discover the satisfaction factor. Okay. We talked a little bit about satisfaction. <laughs> yes. Think about in your life. Where do you regulate satisfaction? Lots of places. Yeah. Can you name some? And can you name how you do it? And if there's any guilt or shame involved in it? I mean, with food. Aside from that. I don't know. Right. Right. So like, so let's say you're like, you know what would feel really good if I got a massage? Oh, yeah. And when I would feel good when I'm getting (laughs) massaged, I always want to be being massaged 100% of the time. Yeah. But I don't actually have a problem with showing up 
and booking 800 hour massages. Like I'm not always there. I'm able to regulate that. Yeah. Okay. So how come I can do that? Mm. But I can't regulate the satisfaction of food. Good point. Do you know what I'm saying? Obviously I recognize they're very different, but there's something built into you where you're regulating. You're using intuition and ego to regulate that. Yep. Like you're thinking like my ego is going to be like, do we really want to spend the money on a massage twice a day? Right. Or like I have to get, I have to do other things during the day. It's going to bring up time. Right. Right. And I'm not always going to land in the right place. I should get massaged more often than I do, to be honest with you. But I don't have a problem regulating that pleasure. Right. When people have a problem regulating satisfaction and pleasure, we call that addiction. Oh, we do? Yeah. Wow. Think about drinking or drugs or sex or like if people can't regulate that for themselves, we say that they have an addiction. Excellent point. When you can't regulate food, does that mean you have a food addiction? But you can't not have food. You have to have food. And there's nowhere to really go. I mean, there's certainly lots of like eating disorder help and all of that. But having like a food addiction, quote unquote, doesn't actually fall into any category of an eating disorder. Right. It's, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. It's this way of like regulating satisfaction that we we think is really different than all these other ways. And, and to me, it's like that looks energetically the same. Exactly. But I was raised to have trouble regulating. Them. I have to think about that one more. Everybody think about that and let us know. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number six is feel your fullness. Yes. You know I'm so good at this. <laughs> you are not. I'm terrible at this. Okay. Relearn the signals and know it's safe to be full. And it's also safe to be too full. Exactly. I feel like a lot of people don't even want to be full. No. Like they're always just trying to keep themselves out of feeling satiated. Like yeah. just actually full. Yeah. I have a lot of trouble with the idea of full. Yeah. I've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, and I, I say like if, if somebody was drinking too much, I used this example before, the night before the next morning, they'd be like, oh, I just drank too much. I won't do that again. Right. But like if you ate a little too much, right, you're going to shame yourself so much harder than that person that drank too much alcohol. Exactly. <laughs> like might have actually been unsafe. Super unsafe. And you have to eat a bunch of times a day. Yeah. So to be constantly, it's so much energetic work to be constantly like, pulling yourself back like it feels like you're grabbing yourself like by the back of the shirt yes right Mm -hmm. and there's also not really any there's so many intuitive things out there in the world and there's none that's like here's how to understand your body's intuitive signals right exactly here's how to understand when your body's hungry i remember Mm -hmm. really tuning into this and learning that my body does this whole song and dance before i actually feel hunger and if i could just pay attention oh really and just have something then then i wouldn't even have to enter into this battle exactly but i didn't even know what it was until i was like i'm gonna super focus on my body's signals right because we don't know how to do that but we're born knowing it. Right, exactly. We're just conditioned out of it. Right, and then you have to relearn it. Oh, it's so annoying. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Right. Yeah. One of my favorite things to say to myself is, it's safe to be full. Yeah. They say it all the time. It is safe to be full. For some people, it doesn't feel that way. I know. Yeah. Okay. Number seven is cope with your emotions with kindness. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I thought this was an interesting one. So I read further, and it's like, what emotions do you have wrapped up in eating food? And instead of shaming yourself for quote unquote emotional eating, Mm -hmm. know that, well, if eating is a a form of satisfaction and pleasure, then you're going to have emotions. Yeah. If you're going to intuitive eat, 
then emotions need to be a part of it because it's intuition. Emotions are intuition. Right. So uh, do you remember Mm. people shaming people for emotional eating? I think of like Bridget Jones. Oh yeah. I'm going to go eat my feelings, Mm -hmm. but like, like, but not saying it in like saying it like they're. Yeah. in like a shame way. Yeah. Like be like, Oh, I bet that person eats their feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Or like you say it about yourself to like call yourself out Yeah, because you feel shame about what you're about to do. So you're like, I'm going to go eat my feelings. Right. Except that you can't really actually eat without feelings. No, you're just, the eating makes you feel good. So it's replacing the shitty feeling you're trying to avoid. Right. Right. And so like eating something pleasurable, which was what you were describing as self-compassion. Right. Is just intuitive eating. Exactly. That's all it is. But we're shaming ourselves for doing that. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) oh, are you eating because you're hungry or because you're sad? Right. Both. Right. That's true. Yeah. Right. I'm actually more likely to eat when I'm happy, to be honest, but. Same. It's different for everyone. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. So allow yourself to have emotions wrapped up in food. Right. Yeah. I mean, your very first experience with getting fed, you probably had to cry as a baby to get it. Mm. You definitely did. Yeah. So just saying. Okay. Number eight, respect your body. Accept your genetic blueprint. All Mm. bodies deserve dignity. Yes. That's a toughie. Shouldn't be. It's not necessarily a toughie for me when I look around at other people. Right. Again. But it's a toughie for me. Like we, in the diet culture, we talked about Jillian Michaels shaming Lizzo. Ugh. Saying that she was unhealthy. And the thing is that like, she very well could be a lot more healthy than Jillian. Mm -hmm. But because Jillian's in a small body and Lizzo's in a bigger body, we are taught to assume that Jillian is the healthy one and Lizzo is the unhealthy one. Agreed. Not true. I know who the cooler one is. I mean, Lizzo. (laughs) We stand Lizzo forever. Jillian Michaels can go. No. Mm. Yeah. It's very, very harmful. Very dangerous. My mother would say she could take a short, a long walk, a long walk off a a short plank. plank. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Also try to fix this in your own head. When you look around, when you see other people, don't look at people and edit them into being smaller in your mind and think that's an improvement. Mm, You're taught to do that. Yeah. Oh, you definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Number nine is movement. Yep. Okay. Feel the difference when you shift your focus on how it feels to move your body rather than the calorie burning effects of exercise. You're good at this. I have worked hard on it. I wasn't good at it for a long time. Right. So going like... One thing that I say before I exercise every time is that I'm doing this to honor my body. Right. It's not always true, mm-hmm. but I make it true. Right. By saying it. Exactly. And aligning with it. You, you're changing your intention. But if you think of exercise as a way to burn any calories that are like excess mm-hmm. in your body or to lose weight, it's always going to come from this place of feeling bad about yourself. Right. And it's never going to feel good to exercise and you're never going to want to do it. So it's about being like, when I do it, I know my body's enjoying it because it feels like this. Right. Okay. Like I always say, exercising regulates my nervous system. If I don't do it, I don't feel right. That's an excellent point. So doing that helps. It also sparks my intuition. Yeah. I get a lot of creative ideas before, after, or during exercising. Right. All is okay. Also, there's one bajillion ways to move your body, and it doesn't have to be in a fitness class. Or on a treadmill. No. Yep. You don't need a watch to tell you how many calories you burned or steps. If you like that, that's right. fine. 
But you don't need that. No. You could just find a way that you actually like to move your body. Yeah, that feels good. Yeah, and just do that. Yeah. Okay. And then along with that, there isn't like guilt or pride with the days you moved more or less. Oh, that's a tough one for a lot of people. Yeah, it's kind of just a cyclical thing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you're someone who menstruates, yeah. you're not supposed to be jogging every single day. Your body no. isn't made to do that. No. There are weeks that you need more rest. There are weeks that you have a lot more energy. There are weeks in between. Yeah. Um, that's important information to have. So you're not yeah. like pushing your body too far. Yeah, exactly. I tried to start thinking of my body as like my creative space. Yeah. And so when I was exercising, I was working on my like my like say somebody who's an artist has like a canvas to paint. Mm-hmm. When I when I'm exercising, I'm just working on a project. Love it. And it's just coming out how it's coming out. Love it. And it's then it takes away the idea that like there's something wrong with it to begin with. Right. And it's just something I do. And it isn't just I'm working on it for like an end result. Right. It's I'm working on it so that. For the process. For, yeah. And for the rest of the day it feels X and like I sleep better and like, you know what I mean? And yep. so that helps me. And it's just like you have to find your own story, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number 10 is honor your health and use gentle nutrition. So this is like, you have to honor your health and your taste buds. Yes. So if you're craving something, go eat it. I like this. You will not suddenly get a nutrient deficiency or become unhealthy from one snack, one meal, or one day of eating. (laughs) I wish people would actually realize that though. I I get it. But we don't operate like that's true. Right. I think we, we like hear that and we're like, of course. Of course. Right. But are you actually operating daily like that's a true statement? Or or are you judging someone? Yeah. Because you see them eating, like you said, that piece of cake. Right. But you don't know what they've eaten for the no. rest of the day or the week or the month or the year. I mean, no. like, and why, well, and why is it your business, first yeah. of all? But also, like, you don't know what no. someone's putting into their body in one piece of cake. No. Isn't killing anybody. Life is short. Eat the goddamn right. cake. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I grew up with a brother with type 1 diabetes. Right. And so I remember him having to learn nutrition in a very different way mm. because his body doesn't do, doesn't make, turn sugar into insulin. You know, like his right. pancreas doesn't do that. Right. right. So the way that he would have to eat would be very different. Right. And like based on what his blood sugars were doing or not doing or the insulin he gave himself, he would have to learn what to do. And I remember like one of the best things for him to eat was ice cream Mm. when he was trying to regulate. Like there's, so I remember even then being like, that's so weird that it's so different for him because he's diabetic. But now I'm like, oh no, I think that's probably just true across the board. Like it was just him learning how to regulate his own blood sugar. Right. And I don't actually know how to do that. Exactly. Even though my pancreas is fully functioning <laughs> last time I checked. Exactly. Well, and I think bodies do different things. So you have to know what your body's doing. Like my son has a lot of sensory issues. Mm. So he would eat a lot. Yep. And then we'd have to talk about like, are you eating? Are you eating because you're hungry or because you need input? Yeah. And that's when we realized that we, we introduced like fidget toys. We introduced yeah. things that he could chew on, like right. chewing on ice. Right. And that's challenging to do without shame. Without shame. I yeah. worked, I worked really, you really did. hard. You, you worked so hard. Really harder for him than for myself. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Uh, that's, right? that's what we do. Right. But for like, kids. yeah, the, there's no shame in eating, but also like what's your body? Like, it's more of the lesson of 
what's your body really asking you for right now? Right, exactly. Like, is it asking you for input into your mouth? You want to right. chew? Right. Or are you hungry? Do you need, like, calories and carbs and nutrition? Exactly. And I think we could all stand for that lesson, like, to take a breather yes. and be like, what do I need right now? Like, mm-hmm. I'm hungry. What do I need? What will make me feel better right now? Exactly. And that's where the intuition comes in, is, like, taking that pause and listening. Exactly. I asked my mom her feelings after our diet culture episode. Oh. And I, I mean, well, she tells us her thoughts on every She does. She takes episode. notes. She does take yeah. notes. She's the best. But I asked her her experience as a human being who has always been thin. Yeah. Never really had to worry about weight. Her weight. Right. Losing weight or right. anything like that. Because I was really curious because I feel like sometimes those voices aren't heard enough. Mm. And she said that she was so praised for it Mm. that it became something that she felt like she had to make sure she held on to. Oh, she had to maintain it. Yeah. So even in a a naturally thin body that like the patriarchy would consider the right kind of body, which is the one that my mother has. There's still pressure. There's still this bad programming involved. It's because you're tying worth to it regardless. So either you don't have it, Mm -hmm. you don't have that body so you have Mm -hmm. to work to get it or you have it and you have to work to not ever lose it yep so there's no winning for anybody no for any body you're still creating a negative relationship with food right right because you're attaching value and worth yeah to that exactly so there's so many struggles in this yep so many um so those are the 10 points i just have a couple more points for us to just touch upon that i feel like were important when i looked up the criticism of intuitive eating Mm -hmm. first of all it was hard to find any yeah i bet to be honest i bet but what people did say the the one that i could find in a few different places was that it was actually bad for your health to do intuitive eating especially the part where you let your body have whatever it wants with no limitations and possibly overeat for a little while okay i could not find any solid data to back up that that was true no that's just judgment I feel like that's just judgment and conditioning. Yeah. I also feel like there could be some people who have some sort of health condition where changing the amount of calories dramatically that they're taking in, whether lessening or adding, Mm -hmm. could have a negative effect on their health. I don't want to not acknowledge that. Okay. But I don't think that's the majority. No, it's not. I think if you started to do it and you were in tune with your body and started to not like really not feel right Mm -hmm. that you should stop you should stop absolutely i feel like ideally we could all have our very own intuitive eating coach helping us right that would be lovely and you shouldn't be doing intuitive eating and like eating as much as you want even overeating you shouldn't be doing that you shouldn't be in that phase for six months no right like yeah then it's probably bad for your health right right but it's not designed like that. That's something that you're learning to work through. Exactly. So if you're stuck in that for too long, you need to call in an expert. Yeah. If you have something like diabetes. Right. I'm not sure that stage is just safe. I think maybe right. you need some additional support. Right. So I, I just want to say that I can see that. But mm-hmm. otherwise, overeating for a week or two. Right. Not actually bad for your health. No. That's the only criticism I could find. Yes. The other the other thing that I don't even know if this qualifies as criticism, mm-hmm. but that people said is that it's really difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But I don't even think I think if we look at it like it's something we're doing, like it's almost like we're applying it as a diet. Right. Then it's hard. 
Exactly. That's an excellent point. But if you're like, these are the concepts I'm working towards accepting and like living. Hmm. And I continuously work towards them. Mm -hmm. Then it isn't actually hard. So that's interesting because you're like everything that we do because we live inside of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Everything is presented to us like it's a diet. I mean, I think a lot of people would call intuitive eating a diet, but I think that's actually wrong. Agreed. I think if you're doing it the right way, if you're really doing it intuitively, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a diet. It shouldn't feel like a diet. Yeah. Right? And if it wasn't a diet, then you can't actually do it right or wrong. But then like, how do you, how, how can you make money or sell a program or like be whatever you are when you sell things like that? Right. It doesn't really fit into capitalism. It doesn't fit because you're trying to work in capital capitalism. Yeah. So there's a book you can read. There's a right. lot of really great right. books written about intuitive eating. There mm. are intuitive eating coaches. There that are. You should find a great one and hire. Right. I follow a bunch of them on TikTok. I do too. And you can learn and you can listen and you can use those resources if they're available to right. you. I also realize there's a privilege yes. included in being able to have those things. Yes. But none of those coaches are saying like you're doing it wrong. They're all just supporting you and doing it in a way that works best for you. Right. Agreed. So it's kind of hard to think about. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to do, but it's it's the hard thing is to stop making it a diet. Correct. I want to say that in our culture, eating disorders are so misunderstood mm-hmm. that it gets me like verklempt. Like I get a lump in my throat of upsetness. Right. Because I don't, I don't think that people realize that they have an eating disorder because of like the weird way we were introduced to like the, the what qualifies as one. Well, I think we only heard about and saw the very extreme side of eating disorders. Yeah. Like if you saw somebody who was bulimic. And they were like down under a hundred pounds or like, then you'd be like, that person has an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. but you can be overweight and have Mm -hmm. an eating disorder. Absolutely. Like it's, it's very frustrating for me. And like, personally, I never fit into any of the categories. Mm -hmm. It's much better now. It's not so regimented as like what qualifies or not. Right. I would say I qualified as someone who, who did disordered eating. Yeah, I think that term now people use more often and it feels like it's more, it's easier to put yourself in that category of disordered eating. Yes. Than to have, than to say like, I have an eating disorder. And that feels different for some reason. It feels very different. And also I don't know anyone who doesn't experience disordered eating. Agreed. Or hasn't at one point in their life. So then it's like, well, is, is, is some different? Right. So it, it becomes really difficult. So... The terminology that I tend to use is that like I've had to work really hard on my relationship with my own body and my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And I have done some very unhealthy things in those departments. Yes. Right. (laughs) I existed in the dance world for a long time. Right. And so like through there was like the main thing, but really just in culture and like hearing other women talk and Mm -hmm. like it's everywhere. Right. So whether or not you fell really far down that hole or just a little ways down. Like if you're struggling at all with eating and how that feels and it's becoming a thing that's making you unhealthy mentally or physically or both, right? then it's okay to go get help and it's okay to say that you have an eating disorder or exactly. disordered eating. It doesn't have to be like quote unquote bad enough or so, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It can be I remember anybody. confessing 
that I was struggling with this to a fellow dancer who was diagnosed by a doctor with an eating disorder mm-hmm. and her asking me what I was doing and saying that's not an eating disorder as if it was like it didn't no you're just making something bigger than it is to be a part of a club oh yeah and I thought she was right right I bet you did you know what I mean right. well and I think what we're learning as we're as we are starting to slowly but hopefully surely unravel the patriarchy is we're starting to learn that everything is a spectrum Right, yeah. like you think about like an autism spectrum, right? right. But everything is a spectrum, like gender, gender sexuality, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Even now, like ADHD is put on a spectrum, right? Right, like all different things are that. And I think you could put eating disorders on a spectrum, also. I one hundred. You don't agree. have to be like ninety eight pounds, no, to have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. The other thing I'll just add is that it's become like weirdly trendy to like brag about not eating for long periods of time. I know. And it's something that I squelch a lot Mm -hmm. when I see. Good. Because I know that you might just be saying that, Mm -hmm. but the person in the room who struggles with disordered eating or an eating disorder is being incredibly triggered by your comment. Good point. So please don't do that. Well, and because... And I can speak from experience with that. Like my husband and my daughter, Mm -hmm. they're both the type of people that can wake up and not eat for a long period of time. Just biologically. Yeah. They're not hungry in the morning when I try to be like, you have to start your day with food. (laughs) (laughs) Like my daughter's literally like nauseated. Right. Her body's just not ready to eat yet. Right. But saying that, I mean, they're not bragging about that. No. My point is that there's different biologies at play. Yes. But you have to sort of be aware of who's around you and the way you're saying something. Bragging about not eating. And neither of them would brag about not eating. It's it's a weird flex. It is a weird flex. It's like a it's like look i'm trying to lose weight it's that whole mindset of like that's normal and it's not normal to not be right that's really awful Mm. and we need to catch i agree you can make a mistake yeah i say things that after i say them out loud i i'm like uh i gotta walk that back right but i can agree i'm like ooh, i don't like the way that sounded let me let me take it back let me let me deal with it. Right. So I, I think we can be more inclusive in this area. I think we can get more information out to people in this area. And mm-hmm. I think if you are struggling with your relationship with food or your relationship with your body, that you should 100 million percent reach out for some help. I agree. You're not going to get better on your own. As somebody who, that's my motto, I can mm-hmm. do it myself. Yeah, agreed. I, I couldn't, you know. Yeah. Um, And also, I think we could really benefit from more medical professionals understanding the signs to look at. Yes. I mean, I, when I was in college, a doctor pulled me into a room. I went because I was sick. Um, And he said, I think you have an eating disorder. I'm going to diagnose you with physical exhaustion, but I should be sending you somewhere. And I was like, I don't, I don't. And I was like, I said, you can tell my mom, you know, and my mom came in the room and like defended me. But after it was like, I'm noting it. I'm watching. Okay. Good and job then like it. helped me with right. it. But like in that moment, I, I was being honest. I didn't think I did. Right. Exactly. Because I wasn't throwing up. <laughs> Correct. But I absolutely did. I was right. passing out from not eating. Like Red flag. Yeah. So right. I'm just saying like if we could do a better job at, at being like, hey, disordered eating isn't just throwing up. Right. Exactly. So. That's all I'm going to say about that. (sighs) Lastly, just find your own way with this. 
Find what works for you. If you're like, I like all these points, but I got to do number seven this way. Great. It's not a diet, baby. Do no, it. it's not. Do it your exactly. way. These right. are principles, not rules. Right. Agreed. That's a good point. All right. Um, I think we should go eat something. I'm definitely going to eat something. All right. Let's go. Hey, everyone. Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.